This is Dreamer to Creator, the podcast, with your hostess, Gabriella Bruner. This podcast was created to share stories of real people who dream and create. Their stories are inspiring. Their stories are resilient. Their stories are real. This podcast was Gabriella's dream, and she wants you to know that her dreams are possible, and so are yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dreamer to Creator, the podcast. I am so excited to feature today's very special guest. His name is Phil Doucette, or Philly D. <laughs> and one of the things that I remember about Phil, I met him when I was frequenting his yoga studio in Minneapolis. And one of the things that really stood out to me was just is his demeanor. He had such a beautiful way of showing up and presenting himself and being so authentically himself. And there's certain people who have just stuck with me in my life. And even though I no longer live in Minnesota, and I'm very sad that I don't get to go to this to the yoga studio anymore, I still follow Phil, I still get so much wisdom and inspiration from his social media posts. And I'm so grateful to have him here to share his story with all of you. So say hi, Phil. <laughs> Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on and thinking of me on this journey. And and thank you for always inspiring people to go from uh, dreaming to creating and making, making life happen, man. Mm, thanks. Thank you. So one of the things that I noticed right away in your, um, your the classes that you teach mm -hmm. is that you always bring a very awesome flavor with the different types of music. It's like, for people who haven't experienced a Philly D yoga class at Moksha in Minneapolis, please go, number one. And number two, how, wh where did that come from? Where did you get the inspiration to want to bring something different, like basically break the mold in yoga classes? Well, you know, I'm a pretty big dude, so I already break the mold of what yoga sort of looks like in the Western culture. But I think for me, I really started yoga because I wanted to impress a girl. And, uh -huh. you know, like I did not even know the word yoga existed. It wasn't a thing when I went to high school and growing up. And then the girl I was dating at the time, she was, we were dating long distance. And she said that, hey, when I come visit you in Toronto, I want to uh, do this hot yoga thing that they, they have in Toronto. They don't have in Winnipeg. So I said, all right well, listen, I'm going to take you to my place. And she was like, oh, you do yoga? I was like, yeah, totally. Mm, I love that. <laughs> totally. I love yoga. Yoga's the best. I have a place. <laughs> yeah. So what I literally did is the day before she came, I, I went on, this is even before Google, I went on Yahoo and found a, a, a hot yoga place near my house. I went to this place the day before she came. I was very boisterous. So they would remember me. And the next day I came with her and they were like, hey, Phil, how you doing, buddy? And I was like, see, babe, this is my place. I love yoga. This is the best. But that very first yoga class changed my life. You know, I went there by myself thinking I just wanted to create a scene to be remembered. Mm -hmm. But I was deeply moved by the practice. And my very first teacher was Ted Grand, who's the one of the co-founders of Moksha and Moto. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, this is something different. And the very first class that Ryan took, 
who later became my wife, mm-hmm. the girl I was trying to impress, she took one yeah. class and she said after that class, that was the best thing I've ever done. I'm going to bring this to Winnipeg. And she started the journey. She started that that journey of creating. She dreamt it. By the end of that 90-minute session, she dreamt it and started a journey to bring. And back then, they didn't have franchises, but she was going to make this happen. So she really is the the dreamer of this particular journey yoga. I was already doing what I love doing. I was traveling North America, doing inspirational speeches. And that's how I made my living for 15 years, speaking to high schools, Mm. mainly trying to help young people build self-confidence and self-esteem. And But the problem was I was on the road 200 days a year. Wow. So then I met this girl. Then I'm falling in love. Then then we get married. Once we get married, I decide to to shift it to 100 days a year. And then we had a child. And once that they put my little girl in my arms, I never, mm. never wanted to go on the road again. Yeah. So right then and there, I quit speaking, and which means what am I going to do now? I started getting involved more into yoga. And I've always loved business. I've always been, I guess, an entrepreneur. I've actually never had a job. I've never applied for a job. I've never had a resume. I've never done an interview. I've just always, since I was 11, done my own thing. I created companies and created opportunities. And when I was 11, I started selling chimney caps door to door. Wow. And I would hire these you know, guys to install them on weekends for me. And in high school, started a, a little magazine with friends. And it just sort of went from there. And I started speaking right after high school. I started my speaking career. So it's just, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just a journey that I, I mean, if you asked me, if, if you ask any of my friends who knew me in high school and said, hey, you know, Phil's going to own a yoga studio one day, they would just laugh and laugh. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, some of them still laugh and laugh and laugh. But it's, uh, it's, I guess it's a journey that sort of found me. And it's been a, had a profound effect on my life. So I was always a little different from that perspective. So when I started teaching, I really love a few things. One, I love, you know, I really, really loved speaking. It was a, I really enjoyed that part of my life and sharing uh, story and sharing inspiration. So I wanted to bring an element of that to my teaching. Mm-hmm. I I really love music. Music has always been a very powerful influencer and motivator in my life. So I wanted to bring and share. You know, I used to DJ part-time just for fun because I love music. So I love sharing music. So I wanted to bring that to my teaching. So that's how it sort of came about, you know, this concept of sharing an intention for class because we wanted our yoga studio not to just be a workout. I mean, they're going to get the workout. They're going to get the sweat. It's 103 degrees. The humidity is oh, yeah. <laughs> 30. Yeah, right? The, the humidity is yeah, sure. 30 to 40%. That stuff's always going to be there. The workout concept, the workout element will always be there. But this movement, this opportunity to breathe deliberately, to actually take time for yourself, what can we do with that time? Because the workout stuff will be there, but what can we do with that time that we make for ourselves? And that's the concept of an intention. How do we guide the class? Our teachers are encouraged to all set intentions. to So um, every mm. single practice becomes just a little bit different. I love that so much. And 
I love that you guys brought that to your other yoga teachers because I noticed, I was like, wait, your other teachers do it too. And the reason why they do it is because it's something that became so important to you in your practice that you shared that so that more people could benefit from it. The one thing that popped into my mind, which I love so much, is that you, this journey for you started because you wanted to impress a girl. And it reminds mm -hmm. me of my own story in how I got to law school, which is I actually had a, I usually say a friend, but the honest truth is that there was a boyfriend <laughs> who gave me an LSAT book. And, you know, part of it is like circumstances, right? Like serendipity in a way. But part of it is that there was probably something happening. And that's how, say, the universe got your attention to divert you into that you know, on that mm -hmm. journey, as opposed to continuing on with what you were doing, which was speaking and, you know, your various entrepreneurial businesses. So mm -hmm. when you think about that, when you think about sort of the signs that the, the universe gives you to help you on your journey, how, how do you feel like that's played out in your own life to get you where you are now? Well, you know, what I realized through my journey is that every single moment brought me to here with you like every single decision i've ever made and didn't make you know like everything has brought us to this moment you know what i mean yeah totally i, I mean or, or literally we wouldn't be in this moment like we wouldn't be here we'd be doing like everything we're here so right. everything we've ever done has brought us to this moment and how how we relate to this moment determines our entire future mm. and that's really life how do you deal with what's right in front of you you know, that's, that's every single sort of yoga teaching ever. It's like, deal with what's right in front of you, man. Like, d stop pushing shit aside, deal with what's right in front of you. Yeah. And if we can do that, this concept of being present, just what's right in front of me? Well, this is what's right in front of me. This conversation with you, the presence that we both bring to this moment and how we relate to this moment determines our entire future. And that's how it goes moment to moment our relationship to every moment. And sometimes the relationship is a scary one when we get into a tough situation. Sometimes the relationship, you know, becomes anxious. Sometimes the relationship, you know, is full of compassion and love. And in every moment, how we relate moment by moment determines our future. So I think- and Do you think you always knew that? Or is that oh, something that evolved and changed as you progressed in your, in your life? Yeah, that's certainly, that's something that I- that I did not know. I mean, I, you know, I was in high school, I was, you know, a loudmouth attention seeker. And, you know, to be honest, it was very often, what would you, what would you call it? Um, a defense mechanism a little bit towards my social mm. anxiety. It was like a mask I would wear, this class clown. But, you know, I was so fortunate in high school to have incredible friends. You know, this concept of who you surround yourself with is is one of the biggest elements. If you want to go from like dreaming something to creating something, if you have people around you that encourage and push and challenge you, this, this becomes, um, they, they actually are the stepping stones that help you get there. Yeah. If, you, if you have people that are tearing you down and telling you no all the time, you know, it's like, it really makes the journey so much more difficult. So I think that I was very, very fortunate at a young age to just get a really incredible group of friends and that always pushed me and challenged me, encouraged me. And even if it meant that I was growing apart from them, they would never hold me back. So, you know, if I could really encourage your listeners for anything, I was like, really take a take time to check in, 
the people in your life and are they people that that lift you up and you you would actually do the same for them because that's a, such a a joyous part of the journey when you have people around you that that really do lift you up and help you along the way and sometimes that help comes hard it, it's hard it's like they challenge you they push you they're yeah. like not making it easy for you because they know what you're capable of in some in some capacity or another 100% yeah they know they know yeah. that yeah, there's something in you and you can go do this mm. So let's talk about some challenging moments because one of the things that I have noticed with the people that I have worked with or had conversations with is, is challenges seem to be an impediment to, to going from dreaming to creating. So you get, you get this high like Ryan had of dreaming, right? Mm -hmm. Of dreaming this whole yoga studio, this is what I'm going to do. Then there's challenges along the way and then there's the people who get past those challenges and then the people who are stopped by those challenges and then you can see a marked difference between mm -hmm. the people who create to the people who don't so what about challenges in your own life how have you what have you faced and how have you kind of come out the other side so that you can keep going down your your journey your path of of making your most beautiful life happen yeah well challenges they that's just uh that's nature mm-hmm like you look at nature and there's challenges for that seed that wants to bloom and come out of the ground. It's, it's challenged, you know, especially when there's not enough rain or when there's not enough sun, there's challenges to growth. And we've had many challenges, you know, we, when we were, so we have two studios in Winnipeg, Canada, and we were going, we weren't going to be the ones to come to Minneapolis. We were going to partner with uh, one of Ryan's family members and they were going to be the ones to move here. And we would stay there because we had a cafe in that studio that we were running. And we had, um, you know, our, our daughter was only a year and a half old. And mm. we didn't want to move countries and be like, that's a, that's a quite a big deal. So, and then, you know, her cousin fell in love and wanted to stay in Winnipeg. And that totally made sense. And then we were faced with the choice. Like, do we still go through with this or do we just pass on this opportunity of Minneapolis? And we both looked at each other and said, yeah, I think we're ready to take this challenge on and do it ourselves and knowing it's going to be very hard. And it was moving, to, even though North America and Canada and USA seem pretty similar, they're extremely, extremely different in very many ways. And just coming to a new country and was, was challenging, opening up a, a business in a very busy competitive health and wellness market was challenging. And then those challenges really, for the first time, brought financial struggle to our life and brought stress to our marriage, you know, and, and our marriage lost, our marriage lost in that journey. Like we, we uh, got divorced through that, through that work. And it was very, that was the biggest challenge I've ever faced to have the person that you love the most in the world to say they don't love you anymore in that way. And so there we were with our biggest challenge, like, okay, well, we have this business still, we have this daughter still, how do we move through this and, and build something new? And the answer was yoga practice. Everything, mm. we've, everything we've ever learned or learned from our yoga was right there waiting for us. Every tool that we've ever built, you, know, you wonder why you do these things and find a deliberate breath and find you know, a way to calm yourself in a really stressful moment. And we both committed it to, at some point, looked at each other and said, okay, well, 
we actually have all the tools we need to go through this in a healthy way. So why don't we make our divorce our yoga practice? And that's what we did. So when tense times come up and we're ready to say something that maybe we shouldn't say, we find that deliberate breath. And when things aren't going my way and she's starting to date someone new and I'm getting jealous, it's like, well, you know, that if I move from a place of jealousy, it leads to nothing good. If I move from a place of compassion and excitement, that she's finding some joy, then it leads to something good. It leads to something positive and also not hiding them. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we hide. That's one thing both of us were committed to is not hiding our emotions. Mm, Yeah. Not just not letting, like if the emotion anger was coming up, not letting anger uh, be how we chose, not choosing from the place of anger. So we feel the anger. So with a yoga practice or a meditation, you know, what you start to realize is that you can notice it. And if you're still enough, if you're just still enough and keep with the breath of it, it starts to let go of you Yeah. and the emotion passes. So actually, I don't even have to be the one to let go. It just sort of lets go of me. I notice the anger, but I'm not going to act from this place of anger. I always wanted to act from a place of compassion. Mm. So, but that was an important part. And, you know, a biggest, a biggest part for me was making sure that my daughter, that I didn't hide my emotions from my daughter. Like I, I wasn't afraid to cry with her and be upset or sad because I remember when I was young and my parents divorced, you know, everything sort of gets pushed aside. Like it's, like it's all okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't actually teach our young people how to be with it be with emotion, how to be with their feelings. We always just sort of tell them to fake it till you make it. And it's like very, very scary by the time we get to be adults. And it's like, we just keep pushing things under the rug and not actually feeling everything that we should be feeling to so the process can actually be in full effect of of creating. Mm. So that was an important part for me. And some people were, I remember some people were like, oh, you shouldn't cry in front of your daughter. You know, she's only three, she's only four, whatever. But I'd have that conversation. She'd see me cry. And then 10 minutes later, she'd see me. They'd say, do you see how I'm not crying anymore? How this feeling of sadness doesn't stay. It doesn't, it's not something that I cling to. It's like, we can move, we can feel sad. We can feel it. Allow yourself to feel it. And you'll start to soon as you realize or give yourself permission to like feel it fully, you start to actually see that you don't feel like that all the time. Yeah. Mm. It feels like what a beautiful evolution of this lesson that you learned that brought you to what feels like your purpose in life, you know, connecting with people on such a deep level, giving them the practical tools to actually implement this, which you learned in your in a very challenging way Mm -hmm. through bringing like this active decision that you and Ryan made together to actually make your divorce a living, breathing yoga practice. So it feels Mm -hmm. to me like it was always your purpose to share with people in this way and that you were given all of these different experiences to deepen into that truth more and more and more. And now I just saw on Instagram, you just celebrated six years in Minneapolis. Yeah, we just had our six-year anniversary, which is very exciting. So thing, mm. you know, the thing of it, though, is that 
at the end of the day, really, I, I'm just a yoga teacher. Like all I do is say beyond the intention sharing, it's like, all I do is give some cues, put the right heel down, lift your fingers to the <laughs> sky. Like what the magical part of the yoga practice is, is that these people are just doing their own work, mm. you know? So the tools that, that develop are different for everybody and how they're used is different for everybody. It's like, I'm not, we, our intentions that we share in class, you know, we always tell our teachers, you, you never share an opinion. You never tell someone like, Hey, this is how you get over grief. If you just do this and this, you, we never tell, we're never telling some, all we do is like plant a little seed and then through the work of their practice, they get to work on it. And sometimes one piece resonates with someone because there's, they maybe have some, they, you know, it connects to a part of their life right now. Some people, it doesn't even resonate. They're just focused on the workout and that's fine. But maybe another day, a different intention resonates with them. Like every day is just a little bit different. And all we want to do is plant a little seed and then guide them through their own work, give them some cues so they can find containment, find some alignment. And that stuff just, the other stuff starts to happen. It's like nothing that we're trying to do, nothing that we're forcing upon people. It's just the work. Mm-hmm. It's like them, their own themselves. It's so individual, the practice. It's beautifully individual. And the thing that I would like to reflect back to you is that when I, when I was mentioning these like tools, right. And it's not like you're shoving something in somebody's face. Like people, mm-hmm. it's a, by creating this beautiful yoga studio, by following love or your own passion, you know, whatever the reason behind coming to Minneapolis, you created this space. And as soon as you walk into this physical space, you feel the love, you feel the laughter, you feel the possibility. And all of that comes from a person or persons who feel all of that for the space. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Mm -hmm. Somebody could just pop up a yoga studio and you walk in there and you don't feel any of that if someone's trying to just make a business out of it. It feels to me that through your own desire to make an impact, however big or small in this world, because it's your purpose. It's your purpose to create the space for people where they then can come and really become themselves, even if it's just for those 60 or 90 minutes on the mat. Yeah. So... What it's taking me back to is like by you following your passions and by you allowing life to show you where your journey needs to go to help humanity, (laughs) you've created this beautiful sanctuary for people and you've kept it going. And I want to reflect that to you because I was one of those people who made that place a sanctuary and different places have different feels. And so I feel like when you put your heart into something, it shows to the people who come and meet there and yeah. grow there and expand there. Well, I appreciate you uh, noticing that. I mean, uh, you know, mm. to be honest with you, you know, Ryan and I think about these things. Like we we are still a yoga business. We're a business. Mm-hmm. And, and we feel, you know, part of our vision is one, like this is, we want to create a rooted place that holds space for people who come here. So whatever the reason for choosing to practice you know, we just want to be a steady, solid base for their practice to grow without judgment. So part of the other part of that is creating and maintaining boundaries so that our teachers and ourselves realize that we're 
we're not students, therapists, or parents, you know, we're just yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. But you want to create a space where people can come and move and find their breath and really make time for themselves in a sacred way, you know? Yeah. And then the other part of that is, is you know, non-dualism. We, we are rooted in the truth of our practice, but we want to be compassionate, uh, but we also want to be sustainable. And we want to be ethical, but as a business, we also want to be profitable. Of course. So we want to create a space that, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we sell memberships and, you know, we always say, it's like, okay, well, if you could change, pay $95 a month to change your life, wouldn't you? And I love that so much because that's actually been a very interesting topic in my life currently is mm-hmm. bringing the compassion, but, but holding both of these things, you know, in order to create a beautiful space, you have to also be profitable in order to be able to live in the manner in which nourishes you and your family, there needs to be a profit. And so I love where this is going. Can you share a little bit more about how you guys, if you know, how you guys balance that, how you guys create sort of both sides of this? Well, I think the big, you know, the big part is that we do sit down and look at the life, you know, that we want to create, you know, and I, I want to have a life that, you know, I love to travel and I love to introduce, I love to bring my daughter on travel. Both of us love to give her a lot of different experiences. So obviously these type of things, you know, cost money. Yeah. And so we do, we had to look at our business and, and the whole Moksha model, actually, you know, there's 80 studios around the world. And part of that model is, well, we have seven pillars and none of them focus on profit, but the pillars, you know, when you focus on the environment, when you focus on um, how you treat people, you know, the other thing, Focus on creating the environment that you want to create, a healthy environment for people to practice and feel safe in. Then the other things like profit, you know, they take care of itself. So it's not something we focus on um, on a large scale, but we under all of that, we recognize that, you know what, we need so many members to stay open. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, exactly. We, yeah. we have 6,000 square feet. We have a huge hot room. We have a bar room. We have change rooms uh, with showers. And sometimes things break and toilets go under and the heating system breaks. And the, like we have to maintain the space. So we have to be aware of numbers. We have to be aware of memberships. But we feel so strongly in what we're offering that we don't feel... I never, I never ever feel uncomfortable trying to sell someone a membership when they're on their intro month or something like that. It's like, this is the most beautiful practice in the world. Like this, this is mm-hmm. such a beautiful gift, this yoga practice. And we hope that you love the environment as much as us. And we would love for you to, you know, practice here, share, share your breath with us. So it, it is a weird thing because you're talking about, you know, like, you know, when you try to do something that's of benefit to others, it can be looked at as like, well, I can't believe you're making money from this. It's like, right, are you are right. you really trying to help people then? But we do. Yeah, we feel you can like, only help people if you do it for free, right? Somehow that right. yeah. Yeah. But you know, we we do. We we do believe that we can do it ethically. The whole Moksha Moto community feels that we can be actually and strive to be an example of ethical business that maybe others will look at us and be like, okay, hey, yeah, we can, 
create a profit, create sustainability, and be a part of a community, be a part of not just making donations through our karma classes and our karma program, but actually getting our hands in there and volunteering, you know, in homeless shelters and volunteering in different different parts of the community and cleaning up parks and living green. It's not just something that is on the wall. It's something that we try to participate in and how we get to the studio on our bikes and how it's just something we try to embody and not just talk about. Mm, I love that so much. And one of the things that instantly was coming through for me is that you're able to set that, that space and you're able to convey to people the value of what they're getting. Like when you said, you know, you never have a problem selling these memberships to people because you know what it provides. You believe in what yoga can do for people in their everyday lives and how it can impact and affect and, and really upgrade their lives that it's just, it's a no brainer. And so I feel like when you find that connection mm-hmm. between the money doesn't drive it, when the money drives it, we get to a whole other world. But the way that you explained it through the seven pillars and you navigate through the seven pillars, yes, you need to make a profit, you're a business. But when you lead with those seven pillars, the rest seems to fall into place, which I really, I really love that. I wanted to touch a little bit upon how beautifully diverse of a person you are. I love what an, what an amazing father you are because I follow you on Instagram and I see how you give your daughter these beautiful experiences. And I love that you are, you're a cigar aficionado too, right? I am, I am, I am. <laughs> and you love music, like mm-hmm. all different kinds of super funky music. And I love that you have been able to integrate all parts of you into your life. So mm-hmm. I actually just got a book today from the library called Refuse to Choose, mm-hmm. which is about doing living your life in a way that you can still do it, do everything that you love to do. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Like, was this a conscious thing where you just, you just love these things, so you just do them, and then they just kind of all have come together for you. You know, I know you don't smoke in your yoga studio, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you enjoy what you enjoy, and you do it. And so I'd love to hear yeah. a little bit more about how you've incorporated all of that into your life. Well, you know, it wasn't always easy, you know, especially cigar smoking is something that, I really didn't put out there for a long time because it's like, mm. oh my God. Like anytime, if I did talk about it with someone, they're like, what, you teach yoga and you s- smoke cigars? Or you're a motivational speaker and you smoke cigars? What? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's something that I was sort of, and it always bothered me that I wasn't being me fully, you know? Mm. And that I was wearing these different masks. And a lot of them, to, to be honest, you know, through the work of the divorce, and rebuilding a, a relationship with myself, I just said, fuck this, I gotta be me. If I'm gonna do this, I just gotta, I gotta be me. So through the struggle and the pain and actually sitting in the pain and feeling what I needed to feel, it opened me up a little bit to this realization that even though I, I was really me in many areas, I wanted to be me fully in all areas. Mm. Because you know, I authentically really loved speaking and I loved teaching yoga, but I mean, I wanted to be me in all of those, not just pieces of me. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I just, um, I remember the day I put my like first Instagram picture of me smoking a cigar or me having a cigar and it was like, okay, am I going to hit this button now? 
And how did it feel like the whole process, like before, during, after? Yeah, Yeah, it felt, um, you know, it felt great. And, you know, now I still get the same questions. And, oh, you, you smoke cigars, really? And I say, yeah, I do. I love them. And I start talking about different different countries where they come from, different flavor profiles. And when I do that, they instantly have a connection because maybe they love coffee or maybe they love wine. And they start going, oh, that, oh that's like wine or that's like this country. Mm-hmm. I found this coffee or that's like... So they, they start to understand it from a different perspective, you know, rather than just this sort of one one shade of tobacco. You know what I mean? It's like you shouldn't smoke. Right, right. So... But I, yeah, I just wanted to be me. I just, I, I, I wanted to, to get back to being me. So music has always been a big part of that. So on, actually, you know, on my, on my personal website, I. Yeah. And tell us what it is so people can find you. Yeah. It's phillyd.com, P-H-I-L-L-Y-D.com, phillyd.com. Mm-hmm. And on my website, I post, you know, all my playlists when I teach a class. I never repeat a playlist. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so, you know, in the thousands of classes that I've taught, I just do not repeat a playlist. There's some key songs that might get repeated over the years, but there's never one playlist that's exactly the same. And, you know, I try to have fun with it. I have like on on Mondays, I, I it's called New Music Mondays. I play music that just came out the week before so people can mm. experience some new stuff that I'm digging. Tuesdays, it's always jazz or jazz influenced. I, I don't really, I rarely teach on Wednesday. Thursday, we, I, it's a playlist that I create with my my crew in Toronto. These friends that have been with me since the beginning. Uh, oh. Everybody, everybody picks two songs and they send them to me. Oh, that's so much fun! It's yeah, like, it's further building community, right? Like you have your people and they're helping support you. So exactly. You can, yeah, I love that. And then Fridays, we get funky, funky Fridays. <laughs> Or boogie tunes or old ghetto disco. And then Saturday, we drop some filthy beats. And that, that always gets a little heavy, heavy on the bass lines. And then, yeah. and then Sunday is real soulful, soul music mm. Sunday. And we get real reflective and we do some soul work. We put on some soul music. And it's, uh, so it's a fun week for sure. And so all those playlists are up. If you ever want to track them, if you ever want to check my playlists or you want music for driving or whatever, phillyd.com there's a big button that says playlist go get them oh that's amazing and what i would so there's two things that are popping up in my mind right now and one of them is the fact that you said that you never applied for a job you never Mm -hmm. have a you you don't have a resume Mm -hmm. and i want to go with that because that is one of the things that i feel is such a challenge for people because society tells us you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to have these things. Otherwise, you're not going to have a beautiful yoga studio, you know, in two countries, building mm-hmm. a life that you want to live. So perhaps it was just, you know, that's just the way your life unfolded. But what reflections do you have about that? The fact that, you know, you were always an entrepreneur at heart. You had all of these ideas. You picked some of them. You went with them. And you never actually went to a traditional you know, as we consider a traditional nine to five employment. Mm-hmm. So what reflections or wisdom or anything do you have for our listeners about that? Well, I think, you know, I know that every path is different, but I certainly know through just, you know, through experiencing life in a different way, you know, than the traditional route. I know that it's a hard route for people to jump onto. 
It's a hard path for people because, you know, the reality is we're born very free. You know, you come out and you're like, your mind is wide open. And as you grow, our, our, as you know, as we age, we, our mind gets more and more narrow. You think that it would get more open because we get insight and knowledge and wisdom and reading. But we're told as we get older, this is what you should do by this age. This is what you should do by that age. Now you should be getting married. Now you should be doing this. Now you should be having kids. Now you should get this job. And it just, as we get older, then add on top of that. Now you have the responsibilities. Now you have this mortgage. Now you have this thing you got to pay for. Now you have debt. Now you have this. Our mind Mm -hmm. gets more and more narrow. So it takes real, real courage and effort to stop and start opening up your mind again. And it takes practice to start do just opening up your mind again to what's possible for you outside of the constraints of what you're always been told. And that's, you know, to be honest, that's what I noticed somehow in that first yoga class I took. Mm-hmm. That's what I noticed that I was able through my breath to start unraveling some of my influences. And, and it just opened up a different possibility for me. You know, and like I said, if you ask any of my friends if they thought I'd be owning to be a yoga teacher and that's what I would do for a living, they would just hysterically laugh. But it opened up possibilities when I started just opening up my mind again. And that that was always my message to people was just like start opening up again because you're gonna be told over and over again that this is the way, this is the way you should do it, this is the way you should do it. If you have religious influences, then they're going to tell you this is the way you're going to do it. And then you have your parent influences. You have all these teachers that have taught you stuff. And you have your education and your school. This is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Man, it takes real, real courage to just stop and then take a deep, deliberate breath and say, I want to live deliberately. I want a deliberate life. I'm going to be a part of it. And then it takes real practice to start opening up that mind again. And the, the reality is people get freaked out when you do that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, They do. When you start like to them, it's like it's the weirdest, like I think, are you okay? Is something wrong with you? Right. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, what do you mean? Like I used to be the biggest meat eater and I used to just eat so much meat. I was the Atkins diet guy. Like just, I, yeah. I only meat, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> my yoga practice really just my compassion started to include animals one day as my compassion mm. expanded, as my mind opened up to what's possible and how we treat people, how I treated myself, how I treated my body, and how that reflected how I treated, you know, animals and what I was putting in my body. And my f- people around me were like, oh my gosh, you're what? You're vegan? What do you mean? What? <laughs> and they just, you know, it freaks people out. It's It scares people makes what do you mean you're giving up your speaking career to do to be a yoga teacher you've worked so hard you've got to see a lot of the world you've traveled all over you've spoken for 15 what do you mean you're just going to stop and it's like it scares people when you start doing something but the the truth is you can't stop living because someone else is uncomfortable mm. amen you know you just can't you just can't because you'll you'll get stuck in other people's expectations a lot be it your parents or be it your pastors or be it your your best friend or whatever. Like you can easily, easily live in other people's expectations your whole life. It takes some real, real courage to just open up that mind again 
And it doesn't have to happen one big thing. It doesn't have yeah. to happen in one, you know, going to some retreat or going off on some, it doesn't have to be like that. It can just be this deliberate effort every day. I'm going to wake up my mind a little bit. I'm going to wake up my body today a little bit. I'm going to shake off some of my influences a little bit. And I'm just going to be a little bit, you know, a, a fuller version of me today. And I love that you said that. I love that so much because so often we think, and this was me, myself included, I, I referred to it that to me wanting to have an experience like this is like mm -hmm. me wanting to have like an eat, pray, love experience where mm -hmm. I disappear for a whole year and I, you know, have this ex existential, <laughs> you know, whatever that's happening. And then I think I'm like, no, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. You know, I have my things that I'm doing here. How can I bring this sort of this expansion and this growth without experiencing something really big like that? Because, you know, let's, let's get real. Like a lot of us have all of those things that you mentioned. We have obligations and responsibilities. And that shouldn't stop us from still being able to expand ourselves a little bit more every single day because we can do it by simply picking up a new book or listening to a new podcast or um, experiencing, you know, a new yoga practice or something like that. And so I feel like there's no, there's really no excuse if you, if you really want to become more aligned with your best self. You, you don't have to go, you know. I, I, you know, I realized I have a friend who always goes to these, uh, yoga retreats all the time. Yeah. And it's like one after the other, oh, I gotta go. I gotta get away. I gotta get away to this yoga retreat. And, um, and I, I remember he asked me one day, he's like, you know, I, I miss my yoga practice. I, I, I guess I, I'm trying to find a retreat. He's like, how do you think I should get started? I was like, dude, roll out your freaking mat. You have your mat near you? He's like, yeah. Well, roll it out and get on your mat. That's how you get yeah. back to your yoga practice. Just do it. <laughs> and and then you breathe. You don't have to go away. And I I never wanted to have a life where I was like, I don't want to leave my daughter for like two months to go on this Zen silent retreat to become more enlightened. I want to live in this world. I want to live with and be the best dad I can be and be a father to this amazing young woman that I want to empower her. And I want her to feel that she can empower herself with her own breath. Mm -hmm. And I do not have to go away to a retreat to, to, to really make that happen, to live that, to be a part of my daughter's life. I have to be here. I have to be with her. I have to be a living example. I have to breathe with her. I have to sit with her. I have to, you know, just be present with her and pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, I love that so much because so often I hear we don't, I just hear the excuses, you know, and it's like exactly like you said, like you don't need to do anything major or big, just literally do the thing that you're wanting to do, like get back on your yoga mat, that's how you get started, get back on that bike, you know, take that first step and, and then see what unfolds for you and let the journey help guide you as well. So you made a really big decision back mm -hmm. when you were first shortening the number of days that you were on the road mm -hmm. and then altogether quitting the public speaking that you were doing in that capacity back then mm -hmm. before you, um, after your daughter was born and all that kind of stuff. How did that transition feel? Like, how did you feel when you, when you loved something that you, when you truly loved what you were doing and you made the conscious choice to let it go for something else that you truly loved? Cause I feel like a lot of times we 
that can be a really hard choice to make when we're trying to choose between two things that we love at the same time. So I was just curious what you what you thought about that. Well, you know, to be honest, it felt magical, man. Like mm. when they put my daughter in my arms, like for the first time, I've never, ever felt energy like that. When Like when her head just touched my arm, mm. it was like the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> this is the easiest thing I've ever, I mean, speaking and that type of skill set that, that I developed over 15 years and working with audiences I knew that I would be able to use that in different ways. I I wasn't I wasn't scared at all about jumping mm-hmm. into yoga. I was just so so excited to be a dad that was present and around and I you know I've been with my daughter, you know, except when she goes away on trips with her mom. I I I feel very fortunate to be able to like I'm with my daughter every single day because I don't yeah. have a traditional 9 to 5. You know, now that she's in school, if she has an event at school during the day, I can be there. She has something going on and I can be there every single day after school to pick her up. I can be there every single morning to to drive her to school. I can volunteer for things at the school. And it's it's not like a hard thing to make happen because it's something that I wanted to make happen a long time ago. I wanted to have a life where I could be her dad. So, and I know that that's different for everybody. It's not the same situation for everybody. I know that some dads got to be away and working and providing in a different way. But for me, I did not want that route. I've never even felt that route was even a viable option because I never, I never had a job. I just, I knew that I could make something different happen. And I was fortunate enough to have a, a partner that was on a great journey and I wanted to be a part of her dream and goals and she wanted to be a part of mine. So we made it happen. Mm, I love that. I just love everything you have to say. I keep, I keep catching myself saying I love that. But it's just, it's so beautiful because like I mentioned at the beginning, I feel like you've really, you just are, you're, you are your perfectly authentic self. And so because of that, it just feels like every decision, every choice, everything that you've done in, in your life just has brought you a lot of joy because you really lead from from your heart like it's like maybe it hasn't always been this way but i just feel like every decision you make has so much heart behind it that it's not even a question it's like of course i'm going to do this because this is where my heart is taking me at this mm-hmm. at this moment in my you know in time um i would love to know what advice if any you have for people who are really trying to bring their passions to life Phil, why don't you let us know what advice, if any, you have? Well, you know, I think if we review what we've covered here, we've covered some key advice. One, you know, check your life, the people in your life. So surrounding yourself with great people. And, you know, I don't know if you have a mentor, but getting a mentor is a great thing to do. If you want to bring your passion to life, the reality is that there are probably some people or person, persons that have taken a journey similar to the one you want to take. So never be afraid to reach out and ask for a mentor. I So once you have a good mentor, you know, I have um, my good friend, Mahamud, who's a beautiful uh, photographer and artist. Him and his uh, Somal, he has a Somali art house, the first of its kind in the world. They created, they just made it happen. Oh, how fascinating. And it's actually, I really even suggest that you even set up a conversation with him. I mean, they're creating some pretty amazing things. 
but he sits with um, him and his partner in this small art house. They sit with a mentor weekly um, and they listen to jazz together and talk about life and talk about poetry and talk about art and talk about expressing yourself and how they can continue to help young people in the Somali community to be expressive and share art and passion. So if mentor, after you got a good mentor, check your lives, people you surround yourself with, who's who's bigging you up and who would you big up, you know? And then I think you have to start taking moments in your day to be deliberate about how you open up your mind again, how you put less restrictions on your path. We definitely do get a closed mind as we get older and responsibility starts to take over and more and more expectations start to take over. So I think I would encourage you to to really be deliberate, even if it starts with one minute meditation, start with, uh, you know, a five minute walk at work, just a deliberate way to, I'm going to go open my mind a little bit here today. So live deliberately. Oh, For me, in the yoga world, advice. we do that by breathing deliberately. Breath is our prana. Breath is our life force. So we breathe deliberately. This really is the focus of helping us live deliberately for me. So I would encourage you to get a yoga practice. You know, I'm just saying. I love that. Yes. Get a membership at Moda Yoga Mania. I'm not afraid to sell you a mem- membership right now. Do it. <laughs> oh, geez. I love you guys. This is great. And please go ahead and tell us how we can locate you online. Ooh, website, motoyogaminneapolis.com. The full word, Minneapolis. motoyogaminneapolis.com. And then you want to check phillyd.com. Once in a while, I blog on there and share some intentions I'm vibing on in class. But I do put playlists up. I'm about a month behind. But there are hundreds and hundreds of playlists already on there. Thank you so much, Phil. This was so awesome. We'll be talking soon. Thank you so much for being part of Gabriella's dream. You can learn more about Gabriella at thenewfirm.co. A special thank you to Hope Welty Library, Sally Mercedes in the A Year Ago Today podcast, Joshua Weeders, and each one of the guests.